translation. In the beginning of creation, the Lord of all creatures sent forth generations of men and demigods, along with sacrifices for Vishnu, and blessed them by saying, Be thou happy by this yagya, sacrifice, because its performance will bestow upon you everything desirable for living happily and achieving liberation. Please repeat. In the beginning of creation, the Lord of all creatures, the Lord of all creatures sent, forth generations of men and demigods, sent forth generations of men and demigods, along with sacrifices for Vishnu, along with sacrifices for Vishnu and blessed them, and blessed them by, saying, by saying, Be thou happy by this yagya. Be thou happy by this yagya. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Because its performance. Because its performance. Will bestow upon you. Will bestow upon you. Everything desirable. Everything desirable. For living happily. For living happily. And achieving liberation. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The material creation by the Lord of Creatures, Vishnu, is a chance offered to the conditioned souls to come back home, back to Godhead. All living entities within the material creation are conditioned by material nature because of their forgetfulness of their relationship to Vishnu or Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Vedic principles are to help us understand this eternal relation. As it is stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Vedais to Sarvair Aham Eva Vedya. The Lord says that the purpose of the Vedas is to understand Him. In the Vedic hymns, it is said, Patim Vishvasya Meshvaram. Therefore, the Lord of the living entities is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Vishnu. The Lord created this material world <coughs> to enable the conditioned souls to learn how to perform yagyas, sacrifices, for the satisfaction of Vishnu, 
so that while in the material world, they can live very comfortably, without anxiety. And after finishing the present material body, they can enter into the kingdom of God. That is the whole program for the conditioned soul. By performance of yagya, the conditioned souls gradually become Krishna conscious and become godly in all respects. In the age of Kali, the Sankirtan Yagya, the chanting of the names of God, is recommended by the Vedic scriptures. And this transcendental system was introduced by Lord Chaitanya for the deliverance of all men in this age. Sankirtan Yagya and Krishna Consciousness go well together. Lord Krishna, in his devotional form as Lord Chaitanya, is mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32 as follows. With special reference to the Sankirtan Yagya. Krishna Varnam Trisa Krishnam Sangopangastra Parshadam Yagyai Sankirtana Prayar Yajanti Hisumedasa. In this age of Kali, People who are endowed with sufficient intelligence will worship the Lord, who is accompanied by his associates, by performance of Sankirtan Yagya. Other Yagyas prescribed in the Vedic literatures are not easy to perform in this age of Kali. But the Sankirtan Yagya is easy <coughs> and sublime for all purposes, as recommended in the Bhagavad Gita, also 9.14. And 9.14 reads, Satatam Kirtayan Tomam Yatantas Chadridavritaha Namasyantas Chamam Bhaktya Nitya Yukta Upasate Always chanting my glories, endeavoring with great determination, bowing down before me. These great souls perpetually worship me with devotion. So, as stated by 
Srila Prabhupada in the purport. The, the verse that we just read describes the entire program for the conditioned soul within the material world. In other words, it describes the program for us. Uh, We have come into the material world because we have forgotten our eternal relationship with God, Krishna. Uh, The scripture explains that uh, Krishna Bhulia Jeev Boga Vanchakari that when the living entity forgets his eternal relationship with Krishna and desires to enjoy uh, without Krishna he comes under the grips of Maya and suffers the threefold miseries. So all of us in the material world are suffering in various ways. And although we try to counteract the sufferings by material means, we cannot succeed. The material nature is so constituted that the living entities in Maya are bound to suffer. And despite our best efforts to avoid the miseries of material existence, we cannot escape them. The Bhagavad Gita mentions in particular Janma Mritu Jara Vyadi Dukkha Dosh Anudarsanam. Part of the process of knowledge is to always be conscious of the miseries of repeated birth, death, old age, and disease. People don't like to think about these things. Um, But they think about them all the time. At least indirectly they think about them because they are desperately trying to avoid them. Uh, Disease, they're always taking precautions that we don't fall sick. And if we do fall sick, we make 
so many efforts to get better, which is natural. But even if we are successful to some extent, uh, we know that we're going to get sick again. It's just the nature of the body. Uh, It doesn't mean that we don't take normal precautions. But the point is that we, as spirit souls, are part and parcel of Krishna. Mame Vangsa Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana. And as parts and parcels of Krishna, we have the same qualities as Krishna, but in minute quantity. So by nature, we are eternal, full of knowledge, and blissful. And so we always hanker for eternal life. No one wants to die. Even a little insect, if if you you put a, a stick in front, the insect will try to go around it. Uh, The insect wants to live eternally, wants to be happy. Because that is our nature. Um, But our original nature is covered when we forget our eternal relationship with Krishna. Sometimes Krishna is compared to a a big fire. And we living entities are like sparks of the fire. When we're in the fire, we have the same qualities as the big fire, even though we are tiny sparks. But when the spark comes out of the fire, it loses its fiery quality. It becomes just like a dead cinder. But when the, when the dead cinder is again placed in the fire, its fiery quality returns. And it, it dances in the fire. So, because we have fallen uh, out of Krishna consciousness, we have fallen into the material world, so our original spiritual qualities are lost or covered. And when we go back into the fire of Krishna, Krishna consciousness, we regain our original qualities. So how do we achieve that? 
the the method recommended, especially in the present age, is the chanting of the holy names of the Lord. Harinama, 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 Eva Kevalam. Kalona, Stevana, Stevana, Stevagatiranyata. One should chant the holy names, chant the holy names, chant the holy names. There is no other way, no other way, no other way for success in the present age. Now these phrases are repeated three times for emphasis. Uh, you must do it, you must do it, you must do it. Chant, chant, chant. And there is no other way is repeated three times uh, because we cannot achieve success by meditation as in Sattva Yuga or by performance of Vedic sacrifice, as in Tretiyug, or by elaborate temple worship, as in Dwarpayug, but only by chanting the holy names. Of course, we do have deity worship as part of the process of purification, but the main process is Harinam. When we were with Srila Prabhupada at the Arda Kumbha Mela in Allahabad in 1971, the uh, Pujari of course, it was very cold. It was very cold in January. Uh, anyway, he, the pujari was trying to light uh, the fire for the, well, first the incense, then the ghee wicks. And he couldn't do it. I think his hands were too cold. He, 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 they were probably somewhat numb. And he kept trying and the, and the fire kept going out. And Srila Prabhupada was sitting on the Vyasa San and he commented in the microphone Harinama, 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 The only thing that we can really do in Kali Yuga is to chant the holy names. The process of chanting is very easy. The physical process is very easy. One simply repeats the words to the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Srila uh, Prabhupada says that chanting is easy. It is. The physical process of chanting is easy. But the determination to chant is not so easy. Uh, Srila Prabhupada sometimes referred to a cartoon that appeared in a, uh, in a newspaper. An old man and an old lady were sitting across from each other. And the, the old lady was saying to her husband, chant, chant, chant. And the old man was replying, can't, can't, can't. So that is our misfortune. Uh, We can chant, but we feel we can't. We have some causeless aversion to Krishna and to chanting his holy name. We want to be the center. We don't want Krishna to be the center. We want to be the center. Uh, Even when we chant or make a show of chanting, our mind may wander here and there. Our mind does not want to hear the name of Krishna. But our mind is very eager to hear our name. If we are in a room full of people, as we are now. And if we overhear someone talking about us, we will immediately become very attentive. We will strain to hear, what is that person saying about me? We're very eager to hear our name spoken very eager to hear people talk about us. Because most of us conduct our lives as if we are the center of the universe. Uh, I have a, well, a friend named Burijan Prabhu who once remarked that most people live their lives as if they were the heroes of a movie. And they see the people around them as supporting actors and actresses who are meant to play roles in the movie in which they are the hero. 
or heroin. And he was hinting that we shouldn't be disappointed if people don't treat us as we think they should. Because their lives are not about us. Their lives aren't even exactly about Krishna. But their lives are about themselves. So, that is our disease, material disease, that we want to be the center of attention. We don't want Krishna to be the center. Uh, But the cost of that mentality is that we have to stay in the material world and suffer life after life after life. The material world is a sort of correctional institution or prison house where the rebellious souls who have left Krishna, turned, broken their relationship with Krishna, uh, defied Krishna, they come and are forced to suffer. They're punished. Um, and although we defy Krishna and decry Krishna, but we cannot escape him. We cannot escape the punishments of Maya. And in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Mrityu Sarva Haras Chaham. That for the atheists, I appear as death and take everything away from them. So we may be defiant. We don't want to surrender to Krishna. But we will be forced to surrender to Krishna when he comes as death. Once Śrīla Prabhupāda gave a talk on the Bhagavad-gītā in Seattle, Washington. And at the end of the talk, one young man said to Śrīla Prabhupāda that he didn't he didn't feel that he should have to bow down to anyone. Uh, Srila Prabhupada replied that by your nature you are meant to bow down. Every living entity is servant. That means he's meant to bow down to some superior authority. The man said, well, 
I don't want to, I don't think I should have to bow down. Srila Prabhupada said, well, when you go to work, don't you have to bow down to your boss? He said, yes, but that's, that's material. But spiritually, I don't think I should have to bow down. Spiritually, I don't think anyone is greater than I am. Uh, and Srila Prabhupada said that if you do not willingly bow down to Krishna or Krishna's representative, you will be forced to bow down to Maya. You'll be forced to bow down to birth, disease, old age, and death. So, you cannot avoid bowing down. The only question is, where shall I bow down and be happy? Where shall I be happy even by bowing down? And that is Krishna. So, we really have no choice. Uh, we are meant for bowing down. Uh, we cannot avoid it. There was once a popular singer named Boy George who had association with devotees and he went to Vrindavan. And in ISKCON temples he was used to seeing the devotees bow down to the deities. But he saw in Vrindavan there were a lot of uh, visitors to the temple who didn't bow down to the deities. And he was he was concerned. They're not bowing down to Krishna. So he wrote a song. Bow down, mister. Uh, some of you might know it. It's something like Bow down, mister. Hari. Excellent, excellent. So yes, we should bow down to Krishna. That was part of the verse that Prabhupada referred to in the purport. Satatam kirtayantamam, always engaged in chanting the glories of Krishna, uh, endeavoring with great determination, uh, always bowing down, such great souls worship uh, Krishna with devotion. Um, once a uh, 
Once a gentleman, a sort of prominent Hindu gentleman in Bombay, approached Srila Prabhupada and asked that India is a land of Mahatmas. So, why is it that even in the presence of so many Mahatmas, there are so many problems? And Srila Prabhupada replied, the reason there are so many problems is you do not know who is a Mahatma and who is not a Mahatma. And then he quoted this verse. This is the definition of a Mahatma. Satatam kirtayam tama. Someone who's always chanting the glories of Krishna, chanting the holy name of Krishna, uh, you know, endeavoring with great determination, always bowing down to Krishna. That is a Mahatma. Uh, an ordinary person cannot be made a Mahatma just by uh, stamping him Mahatma. Although I do recall once uh, when I was in Boston and the devotees first began to go out in the streets to chant. We, we would go to the Boston Commons and chant and distribute books. Uh, I don't know what happened, but I, I had to go a block away from the chanting party, which was an occasion of great trepidation for me because I didn't like to go away from the chanting party. I was always afraid of being influenced by Maya. But anyway, I, I, I had to go and get something for the, for the chanting party. So I went a block away and uh, it was like a big street, a big shopping area. And I was walking down the street, and this man, some stranger, some 50-year-old man or something, saw me, and he started going like this, Mahatma, Mahatma, Mahatma. <laughs> But a, a, a Mahatma is someone who chants the holy name. Uh, Maha means great, and Atma means soul. Uh, Krishna is the great. Uh, Mahan Mahayan is the greatest of the great. And as Srila Prabhupada says, by serving the great, one becomes great. So by serving uh, the Paramatma, 
the supreme soul, one becomes a great soul, Mahatma. And the opposite of Mahatma is Duratma. Uh, Mahatma is broad-minded, Duratma is like cripple-minded. Just thinks about himself or his his family, his immediate uh, associates. Mahatma is broad-minded. And that is uh, Srila Prabhupada. He was such a Mahatma. Uh, as he himself said, he was living very peacefully in Vrindavan, relishing transcendental happiness. But he thought of his Guru Maharaja's order to him that he should go to the West and preach Krishna consciousness for the benefit of others. Of course, his Guru Maharaj also said that it will be good for those who hear you and it will also be good for you. Uh, when one distributes Krishna consciousness, one also gains. Um, Srila Prabhupada told the story of Ramakrishna and Vivekananda uh, that Ramakrishna uh, decided to uh, give all of his knowledge to his disciple Vivekananda. So uh, Vivekananda closed his eyes and Ramakrishna uh, put his hand on him and the idea was that by some electric current or some such process all of his knowledge would be transferred to his disciple Vivekananda. So, when Vivekananda opened his eyes, he saw that his Guru Maharaj was weeping. So, he asked him, My master, why are you weeping? And Ramakrishna replied, Because I have transferred all of my knowledge to you, and now I don't have any left. So, of course, this is a material conception of transcendental knowledge. Uh, something material, if you have so much and you share so much with someone else, if you give so much to someone else, you have that much less. If I have ten dollars and I give you five dollars, then I have that much less. I don't have ten dollars anymore. I have only five dollars. But transcendental knowledge is different. The more you give it to others, the more 
what you have increases. And Srila Prabhupada said to the contrary, if you have knowledge and you don't distribute it, you become envious. Now we have come into the material world because we were envious of Krishna. So in one sense, our whole program is to become free from envy. Uh, Srinivasacharya glorified the six Goswamis. Dira dira jana priya priya karo nirmatsaro pujito. Uh, the six Goswamis were dear to everyone. They were uh, pleasing both to the gentle and the ruffians. Dira means sober. Dira statranamuyate. Dira means one who knows he's not the body. He's dira, sober, undisturbed. And adira is the opposite. He identifies with the body and he is easily disturbed. But the six Goswamis, they were dear to everyone, both the gentle and the ruffians, near Matsaro, because they were not envious of anyone and Pujito, and because they were not envious of anyone, they were worshipable. And Srila Prabhupada stated that anyone who is not envious is worshipable, because only a pure devotee of Krishna can be non-envious. If someone is not envious, it means he is a pure devotee, and thus he is worshipable. And Srila Prabhupada was like that. He was a broad-minded Mahatma. He came to New York City. He lived on the Bowery. Uh, it's a whole history which everyone should know. He went to San Francisco lived amongst the hippies um, and everyone loved him. Uh, at the same time, he was most aristocratic. In India, he uh, was beloved by the most aristocratic, pious, uh, respectable people. Uh, he was pleasing to everyone. After I had been in India myself for about three years, I became sick with jaundice and uh, actually initially I got better this is also very interesting. Uh, another devotee and I both had jaundice at the same time, and so we were 
recuperating in the same room together. And Srila Prabhupada was just dictating the nectar of instruction and and we had the manuscript. So uh, we would take turns reading it. And there's one verse Syat Namachak you can you can say that verse, Shamalasak, about that yeah, that it's 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 um one who's a Yes, yes, yes. Yes. The meaning of the verse is that uh, the sweet names and character of Krishna uh, are bitter to one who is afflicted by uh, the disease of jaundice. Actually, it's true that when one has jaundice, sweet things don't taste sweet. They taste bitter. Um, But the Ayurvedic cure for jaundice is to take sugar candy. But because one's taste has been perverted, one cannot taste the sugar candy as sweet, but it tastes bitter. But still, one takes the medicine, one takes the better, bitter medicine. And by taking the bitter medicine, one gradually is cured of the disease. And as one is becoming cured, that the one's uh, taste comes back. That bitter medicine of the sugar candy gradually tastes sweeter and sweeter. And when one is completely cured of the disease, one can taste the sugar candy as it is, which is sweet, like nectar. So we are all in a diseased condition in the material world. Avidya means ignorance. We're ignorant of our actual positions as eternal servants of Krishna. We're ignorant in so many ways. And because we're in a diseased condition, we don't relish the sweetness of Krishna's holy name and qualities, but still we should chant as, as a medicine. Uh, we should chant with attention, not in an absent-minded way. We should chant with attention. And that medicine 
will cure our material disease. It will uproot the disease of ignorance from, from the root. And then we'll be able to relish the sweetness of the holy name of Krishna. We'll be able to relish the sweetness of Krishna. And then we will naturally want to chant. Now we have to force ourselves to chant. We have to make an effort. But when our disease is cured, or as it is becoming cured, we will want to chant. Srila Rupa Goswami wrote a beautiful verse in glorification of the holy name of Krishna, in which he says that if I... Uh, he says, I do not know how much nectar the two syllables Krishna contain. But when I chant these two syllables, uh, the, the holy name dances uh, on my tongue and into the courtyard of my heart. And when the holy name dances in my heart, I become stunned. My, my senses become inert. And he says, how much, how much nectar can I taste with one tongue and two ears? If I had millions of tongues, and billions of ears, then I could begin to relish the nectar of Krishna, of the holy name of Krishna. So that is, that is the perfectional stage of chanting. Uh, we, d we, we, we won't want to stop chanting. In fact, we won't be able to stop chanting. Once Lord Chaitanya uh, went to evacuate, he the call of nature, and uh, he was trying to hold his tongue. So a young boy saw him and he, he said, uh, uh, Mahaprabhu, why are you holding your tongue? And Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, well, I'm going to, to Pasdul, and uh, the holy name of Krishna is Krishna. How can I bring Krishna with me when I go to do such a nasty thing. But my tongue is, is accustomed to chanting the holy name of Krishna. It, 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 it cannot stop chanting the holy name of Krishna. So I'm trying to, to hold it. 
Then the boy said, but we have to chant the name of Krishna at the time of death. We have to chant the name of Krishna always because death can come at any time. And we have to chant the holy name at the time of death. Death could come even when you're heeding the call of nature. So you should, you should chant Hare Krishna even then. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, Yes, you are right. You are my guru. He told the little boy, You are my guru. That boy's name was Gopal. And from then on, he was known as Gopal Guru. And later, he became a great Acharya in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gopal Guru Goswami. So that is the perfectional stage of chanting. We can't stop chanting. Uh, we wish we had more tongues and more ears so that we could really relish the nectar of the Holy Name. And that stage can be reached by chanting in the present stage. By taking, even if we take it as a bitter medicine, by, by taking the bitter medicine, forcing ourselves to chant properly, articulate the holy names properly, uh, hear the holy names attentively, even if it's hard, even if our mind wanders, bring our mind back uh, to the holy name, try to hear the holy name. By taking that medicine, our material disease will be cured. And then we will we will enjoy life, as it's mentioned in this verse. We will live happily, even in the material world, in the physical body. And on leaving the body, we will go back home, back to Godhead. We will be liberated. Because we will naturally be chanting the holy name of Lord Krishna and thinking of Lord Krishna. And that is the whole program for the conditioned soul. That program, of course, it originally is given by Krishna. The Bhagavad Gita is Krishna's words. But it has been made uh, easily available and practical to us by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who introduced the Sankirtan Yagya and it has been brought outside of India throughout the world by Srila Prabhupada and made very practical for all of us uh, it, it is very easy, as Prabhupada said, it is easy and sublime for all purposes. So we should take advantage of this opportunity and chant 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, and never stop. Hare Krishna. So, are there any questions or comments? Yes. Um, Maharaj, you were speaking about bowing down to death, and um, I'm reading this book about Kirtita, and, and it talks in there about how you helped your disciple, Archana Vigraha, I believe. Yes. And um, it's probably a rather lengthy um, you know, discussion, but could you just briefly maybe tell what that was like to assist somebody in leaving their body? You read that book, yes? I did. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Kamalini Mataji says that um, I, I uh, she read in a book that I assisted a disciple of mine named Archavigraha Devi Dasi leave her body. Actually, for a devotee, there is no death. Uh, Death is for people who identify with the body. But for devotees, there is no death. The devotee just leaves one position of service and enters another position of service. Um, this is actually quite a deep topic. It could the answer could take some time. But Archavigraha was a very uh, special devotee. Uh, she had been a uh, a famous artist in South Africa. She was a European lady. And she met the devotees uh, quite late in life uh, compared to others. Uh, she was probably about 50. Uh, but she had a, been a spiritual seeker Anyway, she would travel to different parts of the world to get themes for her paintings. Uh, She lived for some time with uh, Bedouins in North Africa and different places. So after she met the devotees, she had the idea to go to India and to get themes for her artwork there. And while in India, she came to Vrindavan. And there she had the idea to buy some land. And that was a time when no devotees from Iskand had bought land. Uh, but she, she bought some land, and she built a house, 
that would serve as, as an art studio. So she thought she would spend some time in Vrindavan and some time in Johannesburg. But maybe a year later, a year or two later, she was diagnosed with cancer. And I just felt that Srimati Radharani was accelerating the course of her uh, spiritual advancement. And I told her that now she should uh, make her base in Vrindavan and uh, prepare herself to go back to Godhead. It just so happens that uh, His Holiness Shivaram Swami bought the next plot of land and uh, I think on behalf of the British Yatra, but anyway, um, he built a house there. And sometimes he would visit, but most of the time uh, His Holiness Bhakti Bringa Govinda Swami stayed there. And uh, somehow Mother Archavigraha became very, I don't know, she's just a very special person. And so many senior devotees in Vrindavan would come regularly to visit her and read to her. Of course, Govinda Maharaj would come every morning uh, and he would bring his deities, Gornitai deities, and uh, Govardhan Shila. And Indradumya Swami had a nice uh, sort of antique, I mean old Radhakrishna deities that he had brought to her to paint. And um, so she painted them, but then she wanted them to be with her. And so he gave them to her, at least for her illness. And uh, Burijan Prabhu would come every evening at four o'clock and speak with her and read to her. So, so many senior devotees would come and read to her. Uh, but still, she was trying to get cured, of course. Uh, but at a certain stage, she just realized, maybe the doctors even told her, that um, she wasn't going to be able to to beat this illness. And then her mood changed. Then she accepted the fact that she was leaving. She gave up the effort to uh, cure the cancer and um, she just absorbed herself in hearing and chanting about Krishna.
And she had a desire, she loved Vrindavan. She had a desire that other devotees should also have the opportunity, the same opportunity that she had, to uh, spend their last years or months or weeks in Vrindavan and leave their bodies in Vrindavan, in Krishna consciousness. At that time, the medical facilities in Vrindavan and Mathura were very poor. I think they're a little better now, but they were really poor then. Uh, it was terrible. Once she needed uh, an IV, I don't know, they somehow managed to bring some nurse from somewhere. She didn't even know how to put in the IV properly. It was really, really uh, a very bad situation as far as medical care. Um, so she, she had the desire that devotees should have the chance to come to Vrindavan and leave their bodies there in Krishna consciousness and at the same time have medical care because even though one's uh, illness is terminal still there's there are issues first of all someone can get other diseases which can be treated like she also happened to get jaundice, which could be treated, um, even though the cancer was beyond being treated. And then there's also the question of managing the pain, because, of course, we don't want the patient to suffer, and at the same time, if there's too much pain, uh, it will be hard for the person to focus on Krishna. But then again, if the person is too heavily sedated, then too it will be hard to focus on Krishna. So it's always a very delicate balance to keep the pain within a certain limit, but at the same time not dull the person's consciousness too much. So anyway, from her desire uh, came the idea to build a hospice for devotees in Vrindavan, and now the construction is going on. It's nearing completion. It's nearing completion. There's some doctors and nurses there who are already treating devotees and local people even without the physical facility. They have a rented place where they have some beds and uh, take care of people. And uh, yeah, it was like that the, at, the, at the, the last day um, I was uh, sitting by her bedside chanting japa 
and there were some other devotees. And uh, now she she left as she wanted. And uh, you know, then it was in the morning, and Daivishakti Mataji came, and there's a procedure: put the body on the floor. And dressed the body in white. Of course, she was wearing white anyway. But dressed her in fresh white cloth. And then we uh, we took her in procession uh, in front of the deities, and then um, to the Yamuna for the cremation and. Uh, by then it was summer, so some of the devotees had left, but uh, Govinda Maharaj had stayed, and Burijan Prabhu had stayed, I had stayed. So we went with the body in procession with Harinam. Dina Bandhu Prabhu was there, and uh, we did the last rites, and we took bath in the Yamuna and then uh, we returned she did some very special services as an artist uh, it was it was a very strict rule very strict rule that no women should go on the altar. I guess at this stage I can say, but but so the, the, the pujaris, they really wanted her to paint the deities. So they would sneak her into the deity room at night and she painted the deities very very beautifully. Then, too, there was a devotee. He was a... I think he was a grand disciple of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But although he was coming in the line of Saraswati Thakur, he was living at Radhakund. Uh, but he, you know, he had some of that spirit of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and he was very good friends with some of the Iskand devotees, especially uh, Burijan Prabhu. And I was spending time in Vrindavan then, I also got to know him. So he wanted to renovate some of the holy places at Radhakund. So he began with Srila Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami's Bhajan Kutir, where he wrote Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. And he asked Mother Archavigraha to paint a picture of Srila Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami to be worshipped 
in the Bhajan Kutir. So that was another secret mission because most of the Babajis at Radhakund are very particular and they don't uh, accept uh, foreigners. Of course, now things have changed a bit. Uh, and uh, they don't, uh, officially, they don't uh, accept service from women. And she was both. So that was like another secret mission. She did the painting, and then when the day came, a very auspicious day, uh, disappearance day of Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, uh, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami, and Raghunath Das Goswami. So, you know, the uh, renovated Bhajan Kutir opened, the painting was there, no one knew who, it, who did it. And uh, so I went, Buridhan Prabhu and I went separately, she went separately with her assistant Kunti. Then this devotee, Akinchana, next he took up Jiva Goswami's Bhajan Kutir and he had her paint the picture of Jiva Goswami to go at his Bhajan Kutir in, at Radhakund. And I don't know, somehow the head Babaji from Radhakund, somehow he found out that she had done the painting. And uh, in his talk, he surprised everyone. In his talk he said, um, you know, we are very obliged. I don't know if he knew her name, but one European lady has painted the portrait of Srila Jiva Goswami. Uh, she has come from so far, all the way from South Africa, and painted this beautiful portrait. Um, and I guess the last little note, uh, she had painted the deities of Rinda Devi at Rindakund. That was, an, that was an ancient, very holy place which uh, was given to ISKCON devotees to manage. And uh, so I guess maybe three days after she left or somewhere within that period of 12 days, so we went to Vrindakund and uh, the Pujari there, like a very special person, uh, he was remembering Archavigraha, how she had painted the deities and um, said something like, uh, yeah, now... Oh yeah, she, I think she, anyway, he said, you know, now, sort of like she's gone to, to Vrinda Devi in the spiritual world.
continue her service to Vrindadevi there. So it's, uh, it's a very sacred service to help a devotee leave the present body and uh, move on to the next uh, situation of service. All right. Thank you very much. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai.